Good morning and welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Give me one second to fix this little thing real quick. There we go. Hope that you guys are having a fantastic uh, Tuesday in the name of the Lord. Uh, certainly glad to be among you guys on this morning. Uh, we got a um, jam-packed show for you today. Um, but what I wanted to start off with today um, is a, we had a question that was um, brought to my attention on the last, on my, um, on my um, uh, what's it called, on my platform on Threads. And it's been really um, stirring me up for the past couple of, um, for the past few hours, actually. And so I kind of wanted to just jump in right to that question rather than doing our usual show. Um, now, I will say that later on today, we are going to talk about Anthony Edwards and how he done got in some trouble um, after, you know, getting this girl, you know, pregnant and should have left alone. But, you know, you know how these, you know, b b baller people are going to be. they always going to try to mess with somebody and try to live out some fantasy only to then realize there's some real consequences that come with being in between somebody's legs. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we're also going to talk about this, um, this, this kid who overcame his shyness and, um, was able to, um, um, collect over $4,000 worth of toys to give to kids for Christmas. Um, and so we're going to be talking about those. We may jump into, um, Shadows of the Cross and talk about, um, you know, just going further along into that series about how Jesus, um, is the, uh, well, the Old Testament is a shadow of everything that Jesus is. Um, and so we may, so we may get into that, but I wanted to start off our conversation today about talking about the, um, the concept of hell. Um, I was talking to, um, my people on, on threads. I have a, um, I have a, uh, a platform. I have a platform on threads and, and, you know, one of the people that I follow said something along the lines of, you know, you know, People having to believe. If we're going to believe in God, we got to believe in everything that God says and everything that God says that, that God doesn't say, including what God is saying about hell. And of course, without fail, somebody you know who isn't a believer uh, jumped into that conversation and was telling us that hell is not real. That hell is a concept. It's a state of mind. And so I said to him. You know, essentially, you know, I started talking with him and was going down the path of, okay, so if hell is not real, if hell is not real, then what is it about your good news that, or what is, what is the bad, the bad news that makes your good news good? If there, if there's no concept of hell, if hell isn't real, if hell doesn't exist, then what is it that's bad about what is bad? about um what's the bad news sorry that makes your good news so good and so talked about it and said you know it, it's, it's a, we're separated from god and said okay and why are we separated from god we're separated because of sin okay well if we're separated by sin what is the what is the penalty of sin death and what is that death and so the person went and said, um, you know, went into Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, where it says that we're going to return, that we're going to return back to the dust. And in returning back to the dust, we're going to return to God. And I told him that's a gross misrepresentation of what Solomon was saying to the person that he wrote that to. Because in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he clearly in verse number one says, remember 
your creator. And in that, it can be assumed that Solomon is talking to a believer in God. So, of course, that believer in God is going to assume, is going to return to the dust from whence he came, and then his soul be taken up to be with the Lord, because he's a believer in the Lord. That's not a blanket statement for all people, believer and unbeliever, that they're going to return to God. There is a there is a separation. And so, of course, got into his feelings and was so going, going blow to blow. And at that point, the Holy Spirit, you know, you know, revealed to me, this person is not a believer. This person doesn't care about anything you have to say. This person would rather argue than to actually listen to the truth. And so I, I, was, I cut the conversation short and said, listen, you know, God loves you, wants a relationship with you. Um, if you want to continue to have this conversation with me, you know, you can hit me up in my DMs and we can have this conversation there because I, I'm not going to sully the reputation of God by getting into an argument with somebody when all you want to do is argue. You, you're in the spirit of opposition and that's fine, you know, but at the end of the day, that's not my intent. And of course, now it's like, yeah, see, that's what happens when you hit an unbeliever with a one-two and you know, that, that, they always want to back up and they want to back down and say... You know, they don't want, they, that it's God's job to prove things and not their job when it clearly says in First Peter chapter 3, be ready for defense. And I said, being ready for defense and, you know, and, and debating people are two totally different things. You know, we're not here to, to prepare for a defense in an attempt to try to, put, trying to go, prove people wrong. You know, our job is to win souls, not to, um, not to, not to win debates. You know, soul work ain't about winning debates. Soul work is about trying to bring, trying to win souls to Christ. And so he was just going blow to blow to blow. And at this point, again, I'm just like, you know, to God be the glory, to God be the glory. You know, uh, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And then after all of that, this man landed in my DMs saying, you know, you know, I'm sorry for how I may have come across. And, you know, even though I want to do this um, publicly out of love and respect for you, I'm going to do this in the DMs. And it's like... You know, that's fine if that's what you want to do. Ain't, ain't, no, ain't no skin up my nose. You know, you got to have a thick skin in order to do this kind of soul work. Nevertheless, you know, the concept, it, 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 it bothered me. It bothered me because the thing, he, the thing that he was standing on is a concept that a lot of people have taken up in this day and age. That hell is not real. That hell is just a state of mind. And it, I'm here today to tell you, hell is not a state of mind. It, it is not a state of mind. Um, because if hell is a state of mind, then that would, that would assume that heaven too is a state of mind. And that negates everything that every person in scripture has said about what hell is and what hell isn't. And so... Two things we have to establish before we even have a conversation about what hell is. One, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel says that God created a perfect world and it broke because of sin. The wages of sin is death. A spiritual death that no man can come back from. That there's no amount of good that we can do 
that will allow us entry into the kingdom, that will allow us communion with God. When sin broke the universe, it also fractured and severed our communion with God. We're separated from him. We're separated from God because of sin. And again, we cannot earn our way back to him. Enter Jesus, who lived the perfect life, died the death that we deserved, it descended into hell. Now, descended into the, the real place of hell. We'll talk about that in a minute. You know, ascended from it, rose from the dead, and credited us his righteousness so that we may be called the righteousness of God upon repentance and belief. And he did that so that our communion with God could be restored, both now and in eternity. And so there's a, there's a great day coming where those who believe in Jesus will get to be with the Lord forever, and those who don't believe in Jesus will not be with him, you know, in the life to come. You know, they will spend eternity in hell, fire and brimstone, hold on yards. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So to say that hell is a state of mind is to negate the very gospel that saves us. The very gospel that redeems us. The very gospel that, that, that saves our souls. If we are to say that hell isn't real, then we are negating one of the critical components of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if hell isn't real, it nullifies everything that Jesus says about, you know, about saving our souls. Because again, if we're not being saved from hell, then what are we being saved from? What, 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 is, what is Jesus redeeming our hearts for? You know, we yes, it's communion with God, no doubt about that. And there's a real place for people who don't believe in God. That's where they're going at the end of it all. And so again, if, we, if he's not saving us, if, we, if, if hell is not a real place, then what is he saving us from? What is he saving us for? What is he doing this for? And so again... And so, again, it's, it's one of the critical components of the gospel of Jesus Christ in so much that, one, he's saving us from it and he descended into it so that he could save us. He descended into it so that he could save us. And so, that, again, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We got, and there has to be a, there has to be a, a full-on understanding of that by itself. That's number one. Number two, the Bible cannot mean for us what it did not mean for the people that it was originally written for back then. The Bible cannot mean for us what it does not mean, what it did not mean for them back then. I'm going to say it one more time to make sure I get my words right. The Bible cannot mean for us now what it did not mean for them Back then, why am I bringing this up? Because what we what we're tending, what we're what we're seeing trending more so than in any other generation, is that people are taking pieces of scripture and they're twisting them into these these concepts, and they sound really good. Paul calls them plausible arguments. They sound really good, and. Because of they because they sound really good, 
and they are they're appeasing to the flesh people are gravitating toward them and trying to build entire doctrines off of these these plausible arguments and as such if we are not versed in our scriptures we'll fall for it in a heartbeat we'll fall we'll go we'll fall headlong into all these false doctrines all these false truths that people are peddling out there because they sound really good and they make it easier to follow Christ because I don't have to worry about you know going to a physical hell or I can do what I want to do in this little caveat that I've painted I've created for myself and still have Jesus too the Bible in its in its entirety from Genesis to Revelation cannot mean for us if it uh, cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them it cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them why am I saying that because what the person said to me which is again the thing that stirred me up the most is hell is a concept no one in biblical history from Genesis to Revelation would have ever said hell is a concept everyone in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation regardless of what they called hell all believed that hell was a real place Jesus himself spoke of hell being a real place Jesus himself descended into hell a real place to in 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 the in the plan of redemption of the souls of the saints and so no one in biblical history would have ever said something along the lines of hell is a concept all of them believed assumed and understood that hell was a real place jesus never spoke of hell being a concept he never spoke of hell being a state of mind he always spoke of it being a real place so again how dare we as believers if this is a believer that was saying this in the first place how dare we as believers say hell is a concept hell is a state of mind the question that we that we can ask though is what is hell what is hell now the way to look at the way to look at it is that hell is the is is a place where god is not fire and brimstone and all that other type of stuff you know make there are you can call some of that allegory if you'd like but the thing that's the scariest about hell is that is the place where god is not it is a place where god is absent a place where there is no trace of god his spirit or anything of the sort anywhere if you look out in the world today you can see the effects of what happens when god is absent when god is pulled away and people are left to their own devices 
left to their own, you know, whims, left to their thoughts, left to their feelings, left to their emotions. How much chaos is is just spewing everywhere. We should just let people do what they want to do. Let them be free to do what they want to do. This is what happens when people are left to their own devices and left to do what they want to do and left with no one to govern, no one to rule, no one to give them, um, you know, morality. When people's morality is based on their version of the truth, you see that happening now in the world today. In the book of Judges, you see countless countless times where the where the scripture says once that once a particular judge who followed God died, people were left to do what they wanted to do. Everyone was right in their own eyes, and it spurred so much chaos within the Israelite nation because people were left to do what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it, when they wanted to do it, with no one telling them what to do. I'm the king, I'm the judge, I'm the rule, I, I run this. It's all, it's all on me, what I want to do and how I want to do it. You guys have seen countless movies where, you know, where, 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 where you know, some apocalyptic thing happened, and so now people are trying to create a whole new world, and you got good guys and bad guys, and everybody's like, well, this is my land, I do what I want to do, that's your land over there, you do what you want to do, and there's no sense of, co- of, of, of communal morality or communal justice in any way, shape, or form. Justice is what I think it is. That is a picture of what hell will be like because right now God still reigns and rules in this in this universe he still reigns on the throne and it still has his hands on everything but there is a place one day that God has reserved for those who do not love him in this life that they will live in forever where he is not And if we think it's bad now, and it's bad, it's bad, it ain't all bad, but it's bad. Imagine what life will be like in a world where God is completely absent, completely silent. Spirit of God is nowhere to be found. People are left to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, with whomever they want to do it with, and there's no one coming to save you. There's no one coming to redeem you. There's no one coming to fix it. There's no one coming to solve it. There's no justice coming. It's it's pain and agony and, and frustration and sadness and just darkness. All the time for eternity. See, people want to be like, yeah, I can't wait to go to hell. Yeah, they they talk a pretty good game because I get to do what I want to do. And I don't have to be governed by God or governed by, you know, Christian morality or any of that type of stuff. But once they get there, it's going to get old real fast. Because people will be left to do what they want to do. And there's nobody coming to save them. And there's only so much of that to a point where a person's mind, a person's soul will be so vexed that it's literally torture and torment 
and that's going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So much so that you, you're going to find yourself in a space where you wish that you could make it into the kingdom of heaven. And this couldn't be more evident than in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Give me a second, because my eyes are old. I need some bigger text. There we go. Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, us between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over, the, over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, Send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. So, once again, this whole idea of hell being a concept, nobody in the Old Testament, nobody in the New Testament, none of our early, early, um, father, early, early, um, Christian fathers, Christian mothers and fathers, no one would have ever conceived that hell is a concept. It's a real place. And furthermore, it's a place where God is not. And it's a place of everlasting torture and torment. Now again, I'm not saying that, you know, it's going to be fire and brimstone. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But what I do know, more so than anything else, it's a place where God is not. And... If this world is any indication, any glimpse, any sign of what life is going to be like in the life to come, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with that. But Jesus himself said, even if someone rises from the dead, people still not going to believe. And sure enough, Jesus died, descended into hell. And rose again. 
and you still got people who are not convinced. Still got people who don't believe. Still got people who, you know, are going to take scriptures and twist them for their own devices rather than listen to the whole counsel of God. And Jesus said this was going to happen. Jesus said this is exactly what's going to happen. And so, my brothers and sisters, I say all that to say to you guys this morning. Number one. The Bible cannot mean for us what it did not mean for the people that it was written for way back then. Too often, we're not letting the Spirit guide us. We're being driven by our minds, by our feelings, by our flesh, and taking our flesh to the Scriptures, searching for life in them, when all of the scriptures are pointing to Jesus. We got to be mindful and careful that we're not bringing our own selves to these scriptures and trying to justify what we want to believe. We, we, so many of us don't want anything to do with torture and torment and those sort of things, and so we're trying to water down the Bible so that it's more palatable for us. No, listen, the Bible is grimy. The Bible is brutal. The Bible is honest. The Bible is true. And there's some parts of the Bible that, yeah, it happened. But we can't take it out just because we don't like it. We got to ask Jesus to give us the eyes to see what is it that we need to understand about what happened back then. We can't just rip pieces of scripture apart and use that as a backdrop. Just like Buddy tried to use Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, to say that all believers are going, that, oh, no, I'm sorry, that all people, saved or unsaved, are going back to God. No. If you go back up to Ecclesiastes 12, 1, you'll see that the person, Solomon, is addressing a believer when he tells him, you're going to go back to the dust and your body's going to go back to the dust and your soul going to be with the Lord. All you got to do is go six verses up and see who is he addressing and what is he talking about. But instead, what we love to do is we cherry pick these scriptures to fit our narrative, then catch an attitude, rightfully, rightfully so, you know how we do when we get challenged, our pride shows up. Catch an attitude when someone says, no, nah, just look six verses upward. But again, these scriptures cannot mean for us what they did not mean for them. Because otherwise we are, we are um, lifting our own selves up and building up a righteousness that is not the righteousness of God. Doing right what's in our own eyes, like the people of, like the people in the book of Judges. And a lot of other scriptures too. Second and more importantly, if hell is not real, if hell is just a state of mind, if hell is just a state of mind, then where did he, where did Jesus go? What did he conquer? When he snatched the keys of hell 
where did he go if it's just a concept, if it's just a state of mind? Where did he go? The gospel of Jesus Christ is such to where the tenet of, the, the, the tenet of hell is a critical component. Not just because he saved us from it, although that's part of, you know, oh, that's, that's, a, that's the critical part of it too, but because he went into it. Part of the Apostles' Creed is the, the very statement, he descended to hell. Like, you you take that part out, where the where the gospel go? Because, again, where did he go? He, we, we wasn't just asleep. He went somewhere for us. And so to say that hell is just a state of mind is to take away a critical component and thereby nullify the gospel of Jesus Christ, the umbrella under which the entire scriptures rest. The, the Bible doesn't make sense without the gospel. Genesis to Revelation doesn't make sense without the gospel. I tell people all the time, if you look at, you know, the book of Acts, none of the New Testament was written in the book of Acts. During the time frame in which the, 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 the Acts of the Apostles are chronicled, none of the things that happened happened as a New Testament was in place. Like, no, they didn't have the letters of Paul. They didn't have the revelation of John. They didn't have Peter's stuff. They didn't have, you know, James's stuff. They didn't have John's stuff. All they had was the Old Testament. And yet they preached the same gospel. Jesus crucified and risen from the dead. So even those boys knew the gospel of Jesus Christ is what is what the entire scripture hinges upon. No gospel, the Bible doesn't make sense. If there's no gospel, then the Bible is nullified. If there's no gospel, then Jesus' work is nullified. That's all that's what he gave us to preach. Go and spread the gospel. Make disciples. All the ends of the earth. So if there's no if there's no gospel, if there's no hell rather, then it nullifies the gospel. Furthermore, if there's no hell, where what's heaven? Heaven can't be a real place if hell's not a real place. Heaven's got to be a state of mind too. Because if there's a place where God is not, that assumes that there's a place where God is. If there's a place where Christ is not, that assumes that there's a place where Christ is. And those are in the and both of them are in the life to come. So if there if hell is just a concept, then it means heaven is a concept, which means what is the point of me following Jesus if there if I'm not going anywhere to be with him when it's all said and done? Because that's what heaven is. It's a place where God is all the time. At its basest form, it's communion with God for eternity.
And just as um, um, Pastor Cliff says, you know, what good God would force anybody to spend eternity with him? If God didn't love us, he would just force us into eternity. He doesn't want to force anybody into eternity. He wants you to want to go. So if you don't want to go now, why would he force you to be there in the life to come? I, I don't understand why God would create hell. You don't want to believe in him. You don't want to do anything with him now. It's just like if I'm married to my wife, I want nothing to do with her. For what? Might as well go be with somebody else. I love you, baby. But I might as well be with my, go, go, go somebody else. I will be someplace else. Because what's the point? God is saying the same thing. If you don't want anything to do with me, with me now, I got a place reserved for you where I am not forever. When, when all is said and done, you're going to be over there. Because you ain't, don't want nothing to do with me now. And again, it's interesting how people want to dismiss hell but they love some heaven. They want some heaven. They long for heaven. But they, they but hell, no, that's a concept. Oh, okay. So that means heaven's a concept too, which again nullifies the gospel of Jesus Christ. So again, I'm saying all that to say, hell is a real place, y'all. Don't let don't don't let this new age stuff fool you. Cause it sounds so good. It sounds so good. It's just a state of mind. It's just a concept. You listen, you an unbeliever, do what you do. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you. If you wanna believe it's a concept, all well and good. I'm not gonna fight you on that. If you do wanna holler at your boy and talk more about it. Hit me up in them DMs. Let me know. If you are a believer, though, and thinking that hell is just a concept, we need to have a talk. Because for the believers, mm -mm. hell is not a concept. It is a is a critical component of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a real place. So we got to talk. Because if you're a believer and thinking that hell is just a concept, we got to ask you a question, like, where you get that from? Because according to our scriptures, according to the Jesus we believe in, according to the one that we serve, hell is a real place. So where are you getting this idea that hell is a concept? That ain't come from the Bible. That ain't come from Jesus. That ain't come from Paul. That ain't come from Isaiah and them boys. That ain't come from Moses. That ain't come from none of them. So help me understand and unpack. Where are you getting this idea that hell is not a real place? Where are you getting the idea for it being a concept from? And so again, I say all that to say, if you are a believer and you're believing that hell is a concept, Let's chat. Let's talk about why you why you believe that. Because again, if 
if you believe in that, then we need to have a conversation about a conversation. If you're, if you're a believer and believe in that, we need to talk. If you're an unbeliever, do what you do. Not gonna, we, ain't, we ain't mad at you. We ain't fighting you. More power to you. We love you. God wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. But if you're a believer and believe in that hell is a concept and that it's not a real place, we need to have a chat. We need to have a chat. You can hit me up in them DMs at any time. Because again, if you're a believer and believe in that hell is just a concept, then what is when what are you thinking about heaven? What are you because again, if you think hell is isn't real, that must mean that heaven ain't real too. So we need to talk. Because then what is God saving you from? What is God saving you to? What are we doing? What is the communion with God? What 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 is it about for you? Because according to me and my Bible, we have communion with God now in the spirit as we await the great day when faith becomes sight. And so again, if you're saying hell ain't real, then you're, there's an assumption there that heaven ain't real too. And if that's the case, what are you following Jesus for? Outside of all the spiritual blessings that he gives us, which is a lot, thank you, Jesus, for the peace, for the joy, for the forgiveness, for the love, for the grace, for the favor, for the, you know, for, for, for all this, the, the fruit of the spirit, long suffering, peace, joy, self-control, all that. Thank you, Jesus, for the spiritual blessings that you give us. Hallelujah. Amen. Asking it shall be given, seeking it shall find, knocking the door shall be opened to those who ask for the spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. And we get to be with the Lord in the end. The bridge has been the gap has been bridged between God and man through the through the through the God man Jesus Christ. And so thank you, Jesus, for saving a wretch like me. I definitely was one lost and found. Blind and I can see. I thank you. Thank you preserving my soul and preserving my life when I didn't want me kept you kept me when I didn't want when I didn't want anything to do with you you kept me I'm, I'm grateful so I'm grateful for all the blessings spiritual and material that God has given me and I get to be with the Lord one day when faith becomes sight but that again is assuming the gospel that says that God, Christ, has redeemed us and saved us from the pit of hell. And one day will usher us into the new heavens and the new earth. You cannot believe that heaven is real and not believe that hell is real. Hell cannot be a concept. It cannot be a state of mind. And you, and you say that heaven is a real place. The math don't math on that. Not if you're a believer. And so again, I appeal 
to my brothers and sisters. If you're if you're if you're if you're if your ear is hearing hell is a concept and it's sounding nice to you, beware. The false prophets are real. And they're out here spreading some really good, plausible arguments. Don't fall for the hype. I will admit, some of us, you know, teachers have done a pretty poor job of talking about what hell is and what it ain't and all that type of stuff. And, you know, people try to scare people and have a relation with him. I'm not going to discount that. But don't let those, you know, fire and brimstone scary people detour your heart into thinking that hell is just a state of mind. It is not. It is not. It is a real place. It is a real consequence for those who choose not to believe in Jesus. I mean, let me let me go there. So, again, entry into the kingdom of heaven is not contingent upon your works. Entry into the kingdom of heaven and escaping hell is not contingent upon your works. So there's no amount of praying that you can do, no amount of Bible reading you can do, no amount of church attendance that you can um, that you can accumulate, no amount of good deeds that you can do, no amount of um, no amount of um, of good deeds that you can do outside the church, no amount of money that you can give up, no amount of um, you know, uh, a penance that you can do, no amount of abstinence that you can participate in that's gonna get you into the kingdom. And I know a lot of people, you know, give a lot of flack for that. But, it, but it's, the, it's, the, it's the facts. There's nothing that you can do to gain entry into the kingdom. You're either in or you're out upon repentance and belief. What is repentance? A denouncing of everything that is not of God and saying, I am staking all of my attention, allegiance, and affection toward Jesus. He is uppermost in my life. I'm making the, the declaration in my heart. And confessing it with my lips that Jesus is the Son of God. God raised him from the dead. He is the Lord and the Savior of my life. Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. Save me and he's ruling my life. I'm making the verbal declaration today. And with that comes belief. I believe in everything he says. I believe in everything he doesn't say. I believe in everything he does. Everything that he didn't do. I, you know, the Holy Spirit is reigning and ruling my life. And everything he tells me to believe, that's what I'm going to believe. That gets you entry into the kingdom. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. That gets you into the kingdom. That saves you from hell. That saves you from hell. So again, don't let people hype you up thinking, oh, you're going to hell because you did this, or you're going to hell because you did that. No, if you if you end up in hell, it's because you didn't believe in Jesus. Now again, that doesn't mean that we get to just go doing everything willy-nilly because true transformation of the heart, a true heart that's been transformed from the heart of stone to a heart of flesh is not just gonna sin willy-nilly and not have a and not feel that guilt in that in that weight. There's going to be some transformation. The path of sanctification may take some time. But there's going to be a godly grief that leads to repentance that produces a salvation without regret. Godly grief leads to repentance that produces salvation without regret. 
So yes, do I wish sometimes that I would have done things differently than I did in my past? Absolutely. But do I regret any things that I did? Absolutely not. Not because I don't feel bad for what I've done, but because it led me to a deeper, closer relationship with the Lord. So I'm not getting saved so I can go to heaven. I'm saved because I want a relationship with the Lord. And through that relationship, it transforms my heart. The sins that I commit from now to glory are not counted against me because of what Christ accomplished on the cross for me. But in my committing of those sins, I'm not living in sin. I'm not actively participating in sin. There is a, an active struggle between fighting for God, you know, living for God, delighting in God, and putting sin to death. Colossians chapter 3. I'm actively seeking those things are that are where um seeking those things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And I'm putting to putting to death, therefore, things that are not of him. There's an active war every single day. An active pursuit of holiness. And that the pursuit of righteousness. And that the pursuit of holiness. Every single day. Some days I succeed, some days I fail. And yet, the God that I serve loves me enough to convict me and comfort me at the same time. Yes, I messed up. Yes, I made a mistake. Yes, I've done wrong. And Christ covered that on the cross. So, get up and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go your way and sin no more. So, I say all that to say, and again, that's just my internet, y'all. Ain't nothing got to do about that. Because of that, if you go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now, you can catch every episode of the True Gospel Morning Show right here on um, that, that happens live. You can catch it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts every day. Um, so catch a repeat of this entire episode without skips. Um, so definitely go and check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Once we get this wind stream over here, get this, this good, good internet, this will never be a problem again. I cannot wait. But we got to wait for them to finish the connection. So till that time, this is where we at. Nevertheless, saying all that to say, God loves us so much and cares about us so much that he is allowing us the opportunity to be able to walk in lockstep with him. To walk in lockstep with him. To escape hell. Be ushered into heaven. And in doing so, we can rest in the comfort of knowing that heaven is just as real as hell is. And thank God that we've escaped hell upon repentance and belief. Your works are not going to get you into heaven. Your works are not going to help you escape hell. Your works are a byproduct of being saved. Your works are a byproduct of being redeemed. A byproduct of being delivered. A byproduct of being lifted out of the gates of hell. So take comfort, believer. You are free. Not free to go on sinning willy-nilly. 
as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6 and 7, you ain't free to go do everything you want to do, but you are free from the penalty of death. And as such, you can rest in the comfort of knowing that you have escaped hell, the real place of hell. Be careful not to fall for the hype. It's real easy on these platforms between TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter that's now X, Threads, and Snapchat, all of them, to be convinced, YouTube, to be convinced that hell is a concept. They can put, put a nice, pretty background with nice, you know, um, music behind it. A good dude who can speak real eloquently and say, hell is a concept. Believe me. And nevertheless, take comfort in knowing that hell is a real place. And don't fall for the hype. Because that means if hell is a real place... Heaven is a real place too. And we can take comfort in knowing that if we believe in Jesus, that's exactly where we will be. One sweet day when God cracks the sky, calls us home to glory, and says, it's time. Let's go home. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the uh, 470 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you so, so much. Really do appreciate that. Every like, every follow, every comment, and every share. If you've missed any part of this message or if your connection is lagging like it pretty much does every day here, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Anthony Edwards and this kind of mishap that he's getting off, that he's not found himself in as he paid a woman to have an abortion. And she is pissed because she did that. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that and more in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for all of you guys for being on the live with me on today. And like I said, you know, we got those those typical technical difficulties on our end. But one, one of these sweet days, we're going to get some real good, good internet over here. And when that happens, I can't wait because then I'll be able to expand the show itself into our various platforms that we already have set up again. But it just ain't got the internet to be able to um, power it like I want to. So I ain't even going to touch it until we get some real good, good internet. But it should be coming within the next couple of months. So I'm really excited about what God is getting ready to do for us for this show. Um, also, uh, remind want to remind everybody that on tomorrow, we're going to be on at 10 a.m. Uh, we're going to be on at 10 a.m. Um, testing out the the morning time for our West Coast folk because uh, again they don't they're not up right now. It's like all I think it's about four o'clock where they are right now, and so we're going to again go to 10 o'clock on tomorrow um, so that we can capture the West Coast. Um, and then come January 2nd, 2024, we're going to move permanently to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time um, so that we can capture all of America. Um, with the True Gospel Morning Show. So certainly excited about that, and hopefully we'll have some decent, we'll have some e decent internet at some point, so that way you uh, we can capture all this stuff right here on the True Gospel Morning Show. Um, so, um, was watching the, um, the, the internets yesterday, and dadgummit, if we just cannot get out of our own flipping way. Um, just, it's just sad uh, this is Anthony Edwards, basketball player. Decided that he wanted to, um, you know, get with him. Another Instagram model. These Instagram models, boy, be just, just always the death of somebody. And sure enough, got her pregnant. And when he got her pregnant, um, told her to get get an abortion. She said she wanted to keep the baby. He was like, heck no. And so he paid, paid her $100,000 to get the abortion. And now he has a girlfriend. And not, and he wants the baby with the girlfriend. And so now she's upset because he didn't want the baby with her. But he wanted the baby with the other one. And so now, you know, shameful. Now... She's upset, and she exposed the man for all the stuff that he said to her. Right. So here we go. Timberwolves guard Anthony Edwards released a statement Monday after a woman who claimed she was pregnant with Edwards' child released private messages between... Um, shoot, I can't see it because I'm blind. I'm so blind. Here we go. Let's try this again. There we go. Um, between the two on social media showing Edwards pressuring her to have an abortion. Quote, I made comments in the heat of the moment that are not, uh, not me and that are not aligned with what I believe and who I want to be as a man, Edwards said in a statement on X. All women should be supported and empowered to make their own decisions about their bodies and what is best for them. I'm handling my personal matters privately and will not be commenting on them any further at this time. The statement from Edwards seemed to be a response to the messages that model Paige Jordan posted it to her Instagram account on their of their alleged exchange which caused Edwards to trend on social media Monday morning. In the messages, a person labeled Anthony Edwards offered to pay Jordan money to have an abortion, and she posted what appeared to be a wire transfer of $100,000. 
Um, before the game, Wolves coach Chris Finch said the organization will be speaking to Edwards about the matter. Um, Edwards' statement comes two nights after the Wolves um, celebrated his signature shoe. <laughs> so that shoe probably going to be gone. Um, and I'm not going to read the messages because the messages that um, that Paige Jordan, um are very graphic in nature. So I'm not going to go there. Um, but I do want to look her up real quick. Oh, Lord. Just so we have an idea of who this chick is. Okay. Who is Paige Jordan? At the moment, her biography on a page specialized in influencers states that she's a curvy model of American nationality. Got dog it. Move! Uh, but lacks information about her age, date of birth, and family other details. Paige is best known for her Instagram pro profile where she boasts of 416,000 followers. That's probably going to go up to 2 million. She also has two accounts on OnlyFans. One labeled as VIP of her by herself where she has 80,000 subscribers and another low co lower cost one with 29,800. Jordan gained notoriety after posting a series of screenshots of conversations with Edwards to have an abortion. Um, so, um, and here, here it is. Um, and another important part of the controversy is that Edwards is expecting a child with his girlfriend, Jeannie Robel. Although much of Robel's past is also unknown, it is known that she had a relationship with rapper Chief Keith. Do not care about that. Um, the details of the relationship between Rebel and Edwards are also unknown, but it is known that they have been dating for at least two months, and Jordae's accusations came to light just a few days after Jeannie made her pregnancy public. Alright, so, why am I bringing this up? I, my wife and I were talking about this last night, and the, the, only, the, the one thing that we both came to the conclusion of is that, you know, I get it, okay, I, I get it, I get it, you know, these boys are young, they're dumb, they got a lot of money, and because of that, you know, that comes, that brings with it a lot of celebrity and a lot of, um, you know, opportunities to, you know, be able to sleep with people who embody the fantasy, right, we just got done talking about BBLs last week, and how, you know, um, you know, men want to play with the BBL, but they don't want to wipe the BBL. Um, and we talked about how, um, you know, more often than not, people are getting the BBL because of the attention that it brings. You know, whether it's attention to self, attention from others, whatever the case is, but you're doing it so that you can appeal, or can be, can feel a certain way about yourself. That it's not, and so, but that's not the point. You know, Paige Jordan has an OnlyFans account. She's an Instagram model, and that's all that she's really known for. I didn't even know who the chick existed until this thing came up on Instagram talking about the fact that she, you know, had posted, had put this man on blast. Um, and because of that, I don't know the extent of their relationship. I don't know if they were in love with each other. I don't know if they had a long-term relationship or whether it was a one-night stand. But the fact of the matter is, at the time that they were together, however long that time period was, Anthony Edwards did not want a child. 
And the proof is in the text messages that allegedly he sent. If you know you don't want a child, if you know you do not want a baby, if you know that that is something that you do not want in this world, then why in the world are you doing the things that can create a child? Why? They made condoms for a reason. They made birth control for a reason. If you're going to do the things that create children, don't get mad and upset when a child shows up. Furthermore, if you want to keep the child, don't let some knucklehead who don't want it convince you not to keep it. Throughout the text messages, she's saying, I want to keep the child. I want the child. I want to keep the child. And he's like, I don't want it. Don't let him convince you not to keep the child. You well off, you well to do, your OnlyFans account blowing up, you get you got money out the yin game because people are dumb. Those 80,000 people are paying $7.99, so $7.99 a month times 80,000 people, you banking, you you straight. You don't need his $100,000. You really don't. You don't need his money. You are good. But for whatever reason... We want to do the things that create children. But then we want to get upset when a child shows up. You don't want the children. Stop doing the things that create them. This is again a consequence of the fall where we epitomize sex and sexuality and curvaceousness and Big dongs and all this other type of stuff. We put those things above people. Put those things above, you know, dignity, honor, and respect. Put those things above God. And so now you have an innocent child who didn't ask to be created, destroyed, because... You, sh you shouldn't have a baby right now. You don't got to want a baby right now. But we should have one. I'm pregnant. If you're not gonna, if I'm not gonna keep it, then pay me to get the abortion. I'll pay you to get the abortion. And now that he is ready to have a child with his girlfriend, I can't believe he made me pay for an abortion. I'm going to put him on blast. I can't believe he did that. And of course, her 80,000 plus fans are going to rah, rah, rah for it and probably pay another $14.99 a month in support. So there go the $100,000 you're going to make right now. This is what happens. This is a consequence of the fall. 
when we hype up sex and sexuality to be such a big deal, be the, the epitome of life at, at, at whatever age, it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, we make sex such a big freaking deal that we hype up these Instagram models as if they are God's gift to creation and they and, and, and want so badly to be the and to, to live out the fantasy. Now, I'm not trying to body shame or shame anybody or anything of that nature, but the fact of the matter is we hype up sex and sexuality so bad that we're elevating these, you know, Instagram models as if they are the, the greatest thing that's ever happened on earth. And these young knuckleheads want to get involved with them, don't want to protect themselves, only to then get caught up in stuff like this because those same Instagram models who are hyping their, their sexuality, their minds seem to be so far, you know, from, from, from maturity that I'll show him. Like, everybody's going to jump on Anthony Edwards. I can't believe you do that. But y'all ain't jumping on her because she the one went through with it. It's both of their faults. Both of them are dumb. He's dumb for wanting to live out a fantasy without keeping himself strapped. And she's dumb for allowing it to happen. If you don't want a baby in this world, stop doing the things that create them. Protect yourself. I don't like the way latex feels in my body. No, I like it better when it's... Stop! That's how babies are made. I know, uh, the condom might have broke. Don't matter. Stop! Don't do the things that create children if you know a child is not what you want. You want to have sex, have sex. Do what you do, but just protect yourself. Protect yourself. Do what you got to do to make sure that if you don't want a child, you're not going to do something that might create one. It's really that simple. We, we, <laughs> we wonder why the Republicans, even though they dumb, you know, are so up in arms trying to get all these abortion laws created they see stuff like this. And it further galvanizes them to do stupid things to where now a woman who really needs an abortion can't get one because of dummies who get abortions because they don't they just don't want the child. This is why it galvanizes them. See? This is why we need the abortion laws, because had the abortion laws been in place, she never would have got an abortion, and we could, that child would have brought her, brought her into the world, and she never would have got paid $100,000, and never would have had the situation happen. This is what galvanizes them to make crazy behind decisions that now when a woman who has a, 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 ba a, a child in her that's fatal can't get an abortion in Texas, because... You need to have the baby to term. This, this is the stuff they see, and this is the stuff that they use. 
dumb stuff like this. And what? And I'm saying all that to say this is a consequence of the fall. A consequence of the fall, where we epitomize sex and dehumanize people to live out fantasies in our heads. Where Paige is not a person with a soul, she's a body to be used, a body to be consumed. And a child is not a child. It's an inconvenience that must be removed. When we dehumanize one another for our own consumption, this is what happens. Exactly, Michigan should have never took the cash and he shouldn't have paid her in the first place. Own your responsibilities. You, you laid up with her, own your responsibility. Again, I, this isn't a blanket statement saying I, that I don't believe in abortion. No, I believe in abortion when it matters, when it counts, when it's necessary. This was unnecessary. But again, you got a lot of people who will use this situation and get in, 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 and weaponize it to say, this is why all across the board, we shouldn't have abortions at all. So that when someone really does need one, they're going to the Supreme Court. I'm sorry, we can't let you have it because it's against the law. Our hands are tied. So now you got to get a plane ticket and go halfway around the world just so you can get the abortion you need. See how backward that is? But again, I'm saying all that to say, if you don't want a child in the world, stop doing the things that make them. If you don't want to bring a child into this world, can protect yourself from creating them. Use condoms. They work. 99.9% .9 of the time, use birth control. It works 99.9% .9 of the time. Do what you got to do to not bring the child into this world. It's not rocket science. I know it feels better raw. So what? If you ain't ready for a child, stop. Stop! You just put the TP in. Stop! No. That's how babies are made. Quit that. You don't want to bring a child into this world. Don't do the things that create them. Cause it ain't the child fault that you were dumb. And furthermore, if these celebrities leave these Instagram models alone. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Because all they're going to do is put you on blast. Every time you piss one of them off, they put you on blast. 
Y'all have thought y'all would have learned your lesson from what happened with Zion Williamson and the model that he got with. And all the drama that was going on between her and him. Quit. Stop. Now I bet you in Minnesota right now, you got people who are getting ready to picket and boycott Anthony Edwards' basketball games because of the abortion thing. You're going to be people holding up signs. Oh, you believe in abortion. Oh, no. And all that other kind of stuff. How dare you pay her? Stop. Leave these Instagram models alone. Leave these OnlyFans folk alone. If you want an Instagram model so badly, go find you somebody who you ready to wife. Who look like an Instagram model. So that way you can live out your fantasy every day from now until things start falling apart. Every time y'all knock one of them up and get you know, some of them want to get frustrated on, oh, for something. Here they come using a whole platform to try to sully your reputation and denounce your name and they tear you apart. Out of anger, spite, and malice. The prevailing theory is that this, this, this page person got upset because Anthony Edwards has a girlfriend and got her pregnant and they're excited about the pregnancy and she's like, well, you weren't excited about my pregnancy. I'm going to show them he wasn't excited about my pregnancy. Why should he be excited about her pregnancy? Messing with these Instagram models. Now, again, as I say that, it ain't all of them. It ain't all of them. I don't know none of them. But they ain't all of them. I'm sure some of them got some sense, got got some heart, you know, got some mind, you know, do things right. And if that's you, more power to you. But leave these folk alone. If you're not ready and willing to do with them what, you, what, what, it, what it takes to be in a relationship or whatever the case is, be prepared for the backlash that is coming because they're going to use their platform to tear you down. The consummate definition of don't give a D. And what that should tell us as the believers in God is that we got to be so careful that we're not dehumanizing people. That we're not dehumanizing people for our consumption. Because when we dehumanize people, stuff like this happens. You better ask David. You better ask David. Dehumanized Bathsheba, saw her as just a piece of meat, brought her over even though he knew that he knew she was married, had his way with her. Because again, that was not a consensual act. We but we we'll cross that bridge another day. Got her pregnant, and rather than you know just go ahead and fess up. Had her husband killed at the end of the day because he wouldn't because he wouldn't dehumanize his wife for his consumption. That's a good man. <clears throat> and decided, yeah, right? Exactly, Nicole. Yeah, yeah. 
du den? Da! We, we dehumanize people. And we just make them commodities, make them bodies. Somebody said it like this one time, you know, fornication is nothing more than masturbation with another person. when we dehumanize people and turn them into commodities instead of souls and treat them as such when we rob and 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 call and call and um and when we deny people the dignity honor and respect that they are owed as image bearers heck we might not even be seeing ourselves as image bearers call a spade a spade but when so when we don't see them as image bearers the potential to treat them like pieces of meat is exponential. Heck, the, 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 the propensity to treat ourselves as pieces of meat is exponential. As a commodity to be sold rather than a soul to be cherished. And I'm talking men and women. This ain't this this is a this a one size fits all. So I'm I'm praying for them that they get it together. I'm praying for everybody that we get it together. Cause this is sad. And the the saddest part about it all is it it just it just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. And yeah, man. I think my heart just hurt. I'm tired of it. But consequence of the fall, this is what it is. You're watching True Gospel Morning Show. It's your boy Eddie D. Right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful. For the 801 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, every follow, every comment, every share. Um, if you missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go to the Two Gospel Morning Show, the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe. Um, so that way you can listen to every episode from conception to now. When we come back, um, let me see. What are we going to be talking about? What are we going to be talking about? Um, I think I'll jump into Shadows of the Cross real quick talk about that a little a little briefly um certainly thank you all for all for watching we'll be right back in just a moment
the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on the Tickety Talk Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, just as an aside, we're going to be going to 10 o'clock um, tomorrow um, so that way we can capture the West Coast um, on, um, on TikTok. And so, again, if you are watching the show uh, religiously, like I hope you are, then we'll be on TikTok Live tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. instead of 6 a.m., um, but again, if you're not able to watch it, uh, always go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show there. That way you can catch the episode um, after uh, we are done recording um, the show. So you can definitely catch us on um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, for the past couple of weeks now, we have been talking about Shadows of the Cross. Um, the book of Hebrews um, is a... Uh, picture of Jesus throughout all of the Old Testament, and we've gone extensively through the whole thing, talking about how Jesus is um, better than the angels, better than the prophets, better than Moses, um, he's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek, um, he is um, the, the embodiment of the Levitical priesthood, um, um, he is the final sacrifice, he's the final tithe that has to be paid mandatorily. Um, he is the, the better sacrifice, um, and because of all the things that he has done for us, um, we should look to him as the author and the finisher, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And so, um, as we have looked at all those things, um, Hebrews chapter 12 begins to tell us, oh, no, I'm sorry, let me, one more thing, that, G, that Jesus is the is an example, you know, that, that every person in the Old Testament is an example of, of a piece of the of Christ in some way, shape, or form. And furthermore, that if everyone in the Old Testament was able to follow the um, follow God and um, and 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 look to Him for the promises that He promised them to be fulfilled, how much more should we then uh, pursue the promises of God um, of eternal life? with him and communion with him both now and forever. As it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one, since therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So he tells us further, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against him, against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Quote, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Um, and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, 
but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. And so what he tells us there is that going back to chapter 11, if everybody in the old in, in the Old Testament was willing to seek the promises of God and wait with patience and endurance for the promises to be fulfilled, how much more should we, knowing that our promises from God are eternally secure, run this race? Using Abraham again as an example. If he was willing to wait 20, 30 some years, what's up, Keisha? Good to see you this morning, girl. If he was willing to wait 20-some years, 30-some years, for God to fulfill the promise of Isaac, how much more should we, knowing that Jesus has accomplished everything that he needs to accomplish, how much more willing should we be to run this race with endurance, knowing that our, our, that our, our eternal presence with God is eternally secure. If we believe in Jesus, and we believe that everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of him, how much more then should we be compelled and inspired to run this race? He, so he says to us, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have issues. You're going to have problems. You're going to have things to come up in your life. No doubt about that. But you keep running. You keep running your race. You keep running your race. He says, let us lay aside every weight and with the sin which sings with clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into who? Not Moses. Not Abraham. Not David. Not Daniel. Not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul. Not James. Not, Dan, not, not Daniel in the lion's den. Not Isaiah. Not Joshua. Not Elijah. Not Gideon. Not Isaac. Not Jacob. But look to Jesus. Everything about the Old Testament is testifying to Jesus. As Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures as if you'll find life in them, but the scriptures are testifying to me. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we don't look to the to the prophets of old. I want to be that see the thing about Hebrews chapter eleven is that people take it out of context and make it seem like those are the people we need to be like. I need to be like Paul, I need to be like John, I need to be like Moses, I need to be like Abraham, I need to be like 
David, need to be like Gideon, need to be like Samson. No, all of them were pointing to Jesus. So we need to be like Jesus. So we look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, for a lot of us, the reason why we don't like to suffer or we don't like to struggle or we don't like to go through is because we don't see, we don't have joy set before us. And so when we go through hard times, we go through trials and we go through tribulations, we are so frustrated because I shouldn't be going through anything like this. It's promised. Because we're looking to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him did what? Endured the cross. So if we're looking to Jesus and he endured the cross, how much more should we endure the trials and tribulations that we go through in this life knowing what it's producing in us? Because even, even the author said in verse number four, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Ain't none of us like the Egyptians who get their heads cut off for believing in Jesus. Ain't none of us like the people in China who they got to hide in caves to read the Bible once a month. We get to read our Bibles every day. Oh, I don't have time to read my Bible. Oh, I have so much to do. I just don't have time to read my Bible. You got people in China right now who are hiding in caves just so they can get a glimpse of some scriptures. Whole books memorized because they know if they're ever captured, they are done. I can't read my Bible. Oh, my life is so hard. Oh, Jesus, this sucks. The author said, you ain't resisted to the point of blood, shedding blood. Chill out. Endure. And consider that in your enduring, it is making you better. Why is it making you better? Because in your endurance, you are being pruned. In your endurance, you are being burned by the refiner's fire to come out as pure gold. I got a rose bush outside, and, you know, and I don't know what clicked in me this year, but for some reason, I wanted to start really working on these on this rose bush because it's growing all wild, and I now understand what the, what the scriptures mean when it says pruning produces more fruit because I've never seen this many leaves. On this rose bush, but because we cut parts of part, whole chunks of it off, now all these leaves are sprouting. That's what God does with us. He prunes us so we can produce more fruit. You, our problem, we think that producing fruit is talking about better jobs, better cars, better houses, better land, better spouses, better kids. That's what we think the fruit is. No, man, it's talking about the fruit of the spirit. Long-suffering, peace, love, joy, self-control, 
patience, temperance, kindness, meekness, gentleness. The, the fruit of the Spirit is what's being produced. And it leads again to salvation without regret. And in that salvation, I'm talking about the original salvation that actually gets us into the kingdom. That's another story for another day. But he says in verse number um, five, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he receives. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? You are left without discipline in which all have participated. You are illegitimate children and not sons. So again, if you are going through it for the sake of the kingdom, it is a sign and a testament that you are gods. God apostrophe S, not you are a god. Like some people try to twist my words. I can already see it now. See, you said we're gods. It's not what I said. You belong to God. You are in God's possession. God possesses you. And so, it is a sign of God's love that you are being chastised. Chastisement is not talking about punishment. It's talking about correction. It's talking about instruction. It's talking about being schooled. Discipline is not talking about your hand being hit. It's talking about being schooled. Sometimes it requires a, no, not there, mm -mm, not that way, lot of correction, move this way, not that way, go here, don't go there, we're in this, not in that, we're in it, not of it. So sometimes it hurts because we really want to do the thing that God tells us we can't do, but that discipline is making us better as Christians. And because we are God's children, he obligates himself to disciplining us so that we can be more like him. Which is the greatest blessing of all. I get to be more like Jesus. Sometimes you got to know what to, what to shout for. And sometimes I get to be more like Jesus. How high, <laughs> how high up does that rank? In your list of things that you're grateful for, how high up, high up does does I get to be more like Jesus? How high up does that rank? When you think about all the blessings that God has given you, how high up does I get to be more like Him rank in your in your in your view? This past Sunday, my um, my dad preached a sermon talking about um you know talking about um you know Jesus versus Santa, God wins. And said, you know, that we need to make a gratitude list. How many of us on that list of gratitude, one of the first things up there is, God, thank you for saving me. God, thank you for keeping me when I didn't want to be kept. Thank you for keeping the guardrails of my life up just enough so that I didn't go falling off on the on the, on the wayside. Thank you for for when I didn't want to follow you, I stay I stay, you you kept me near you anyway. Thank you that when I was faithless, you were faithful. Most of us usually start rattling off. 
Thank you for the job. Thank you for the house. Thank you for the car. Thank you for the kids. Thank you for the wife. Thank you for the husband. Thank you for the for the stuff. Thank you for my couch. Thank you for you know this. Thank you for the vacation. Thank you for you know. Thank you for um the money. Thank you for the bank account. Thank you for the accounts. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. But rarely do we find ourselves saying, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for giving me a heart of peace when my heart wants to go to war. Thank you for allowing the anger that I once harbored in my heart to no longer be there. Can I testify for a minute? For about two and a half years, I was bitter over what happened between me and this other church. And it hardened my heart in such a way that I didn't want nothing to do with the church. God had to come, God had to come into this place in my heart and say, I'm going I'm removing the anger from your heart. You can't have it anymore. And the peace that surpasses all understanding reigns and rules in my heart in such a way to where I don't harbor anger toward anybody anymore. I'm praying for the church that did me wrong. I'm praying for the people in my past like that did me wrong. I'm praying for myself to recognize my, my contribution to the system being what it was. All the times where all I had to do was speak up and say something and then had the audacity to be mad at people for not talking to me. All I had to do was open my mouth and speak on things and not take things so personal and not be so angry and not be so upset and not be so ready to go to blows with people to where I'm running away from everything. You know, I had to realize my, my faults. But I can do that now because of the love that God had for me that it kept me when I didn't want to be kept. That he saved me and redeemed me and kept me in a pocket. Long enough to where my eyes were opened and I see, I, I get it now. Like, anger gone. I told my wife this the other day. You know, I'm like the dude on um, on, on The Incredibles, Mr. Incredible, when his wife finally showed up. You know, he's so happy because he thought she was dead. And so, you know, when he sees her, he's like, oh, my God, I'm just so grateful that you're alive. And she all mad as fire because, oh, my God, uh, you, you're hugging another woman. I can't believe it. You've been here this whole time. And da, 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 da. And he's like, I, you can be angry all you want to. I'm just happy that you're alive. I'm happy. You can be mad if you want to be. I choose happiness. That, that's, that's the feel that I have now. Like, I, and I didn't think it was possible. I thought I was going to be angry with the church forever. But God said, no. No. Be at peace. Be at peace. And I thank God for that. Thank you for keeping me when I didn't want to be kept. But for, for so many of us, we relegate our thanks and gratitude to God to the things that we miss the most important thing of all, that I get to be one with God and I get to be made more like Christ every single day. Those are the greatest things that could ever happen. You ransom my life. So yeah, I'm going to run this race. Yes, I will endure. Yes, I will go through. Because if I'm going through, it means that I'm yours. If I'm being refined and made more like you, it means that I'm yours. 
If I'm suffering for righteous sake, it means that I'm yours. Now, I'm not about to go into some asceticism where I'm, oh, I'm just going to be an old miser. I'm just going to struggle for the rest of my life. No, that's not what I'm saying. We're not talking about asceticism. And Paul talks about it in Colossians chapter 2. We ain't talking about asceticism where I purposefully struggle to be more like Jesus. No, but if struggle comes, if struggle, if, if suffering comes, I can endure it because I'm following Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He says again in verse 11, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your, droop, your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness which out, without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it may, many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. And that is a shadow. I, I think, God, full circle. Verse 17 is a Verses uh, 16 and 17 are a shadow of hell. No one is sexually or no, no one is unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that after, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. It's a shadow of get your inheritance from the Lord now. Seek him while he may be found. There is coming a day where you ain't go, you're going to look and he ain't going to be anywhere to be found. And you're going to wish you could repent. And Jesus is going to be like, you had your chance. You had your chance. You repent now. Mm -mm. No, you can't repent now. You didn't want anything to do with me before. You sold your whole birthright so you could satisfy your flesh. Sold your inheritance off for your flesh. And now, here comes the consequence. No entry into heaven for you. Another shadow of the cross. Another shadow of the cross. Esau was so hungry that Jacob tricked him. I'll give you this meal if you sell your birthright to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurry up. Just give me the food. Just give me the food. All right. Dummy. Now, how many of us selling ourselves And in doing so, forsaking the promise. It's coming a day. It's coming a day. This ain't to scare you. Just, just the facts. Here it is, verse 17. It's coming a day. Where you gonna wish. We wish. That Jesus would open that door. And he's like, 
I never knew you. I never knew you. Crying, weeping, gnashing the teeth, just like, just like, no, come on, God, just like when Noah closed the ark. Let us in, let us in. No room, no room, no room. The door's closed. You had your chance. The door's closed. A lot of people I'm realizing as people, you know, keep talking to me about how they feel about God and how they feel about the Bible and stuff, that a lot of people, they can't get down with the scriptures. A lot of people say they can't get down with the scriptures. Wait a minute. What did, what, when was this? That was last night, right? Okay. That a lot of people can't get down with the scriptures. Because why would God be so mean? Everything in the Old Testament is a shadow. The question ain't why would God be so mean? The question is why would people be so calloused themselves? With the free will that God has given you, why would you be so calloused? But what do I know? You know, I just read scriptures. But we as the people of God, we must struggle well. Suffer well. Endure well. We as the people of God, we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And as we look to him, we realize that everything that God has said and everything that God has done for us, we are in the prime position to be able to endure He's making us more like him. He's making us more like him. And so we would do well, Christian. We would do well, believer, to not grow weary in our well-doing. Keep moving forward. Keep striving. Don't forsake what you know to be true because it's hard. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. But again, this isn't to say go look for a hard way to go. Like don't don't beat yourself up. Like live a live a good and peaceful life as much as you can. But when the trials come, when the issues come, don't fall apart. If you can help it. Or if you do fall apart, Glory in your weaknesses so that the strength of Christ may, you know, may be perfected. You know, we glory in our weaknesses so that the strength of God may be perfected in us. But again, don't fall out with God as much as you can help it. Because whom God loves, he chastises. Chastisement is not talking about punishment. 
Chastisement is not talking about you being put in a corner. Chastisement is not about you going through it because you did something wrong. No, it's about becoming more like Christ. Being aligned with him. Being pushed into the right direction. Being funneled to be more like him. And so we can trust that if God says he loves us, and if we are his and he is ours, then everything that is happening is happening for his good for us. Everything is working together so that we can be more like we can be more like Jesus. And that should be on so far, far above everything else on our list of gratitudes. Our list of gratitude. Thank you, God, for the house. Thank you for the car. Thank you for all that. But yes, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you. If the house goes away, thank you for the fruit. If the car for whatever reason, gets get smashed, thank you for the fruit. If me and wifey falling out, thank you for the fruit. That'll help us to mend it. Kids start, thank you for the fruit. Dog acting funny, thank you for the fruit. Jobs start acting weird, thank you for the fruit. Church folk act funny, thank you for the fruit. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for making me more like you. Thank you for what's coming in the life to come. Those things should be at the top of our list every time we thank God. Because heaven and earth is going to pass away. But the word of the Lord will remain forever. So we as the people of God should be thankful every single day that he is making us more like him because in making us more like him it proves that we belong to him that's bible hebrews 12 if you are being if you're going through trials and tribulations in this life and it is making you more like jesus that is the proof that you are his what's the proof that god exists I'm going through trials and tribulations being made more like Jesus. I'm the proof. My brothers and sisters are the proof. Heck, unbelievers are proof too, if you really think about it. But we but that's another subject for another day. First Corinthians, I believe, is chapter two. The same God that hardens the um hardens the um the clay melts the ice. Same word. But again, it's the proof. That we belong to God. And so we can trust and believe that if we are God's, God's possession, for y'all who want to twist my words, see, told you we're God's. If you are God's possession, then you can trust and believe that whatever you're going through, it's all working together for the good. So strengthen your, your knees. Lift up those hands. Make straight paths for your feet. Run your race with endurance. 
looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the carrot that we're chasing. He is the prize that we're pressing toward. He is the mark that we're pressing toward. So seek Jesus while he may be found. If you got him, run with him. Because he loves us so much that he has placed in us his spirit that allows us to go through any issue, problem, obstacle, trial, tribulation that we may face. We can run this race with endurance knowing that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So again, I say all that to say, don't look to Moses, don't look to Joshua, don't look to David, don't look to Samuel, don't look to any of those boys. Look to Jesus. Like he told those Pharisees, sometimes we'll look to scriptures as if they found life in them, but the scriptures are testifying about Jesus. So we look to Jesus. And we use everything in scripture from Genesis to Revelation to point all the way back to who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us on the cross. So look to Jesus. And I promise you, the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Listen, I love you guys. Thank you all so much for paying a little bit of attention to me today. Um, I want to thank y'all for the thousand, um, oh, the 1,300 likes that we've gotten today. I want to thank every like, every follower, every comment, every share. Thank you guys so, so much for watching the True Gospel Morning Show. Remember, tomorrow morning we will be on at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So don't look for us um, at 6. Look for us at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Um, again, thank you guys so, so much for watching the True Gospel Morning Show. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.